welcome to the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbins, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Lent for the week of February 21st, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and welcome to Lent. Lent is such an interesting time. It's this time of a lot of reflection, a lot of contemplating and thinking about ourselves and with our faith and trying to figure out how are we working and dealing with this 40 days without counting Sundays leading up to Holy Week. And how do we wrestle with that? How do we wrestle with this? How do we deal with Jesus's ministry and what he was able to do for us? And what does that mean for us? And I think that's such an interesting contemplative thing to be thinking about. In a lot of ways, there's so many ways that it kind of transforms and moves us forward in a lot of ways. It forces us to take steps forward. It forces us to persevere through going through this. And with bringing up the word persevere, I have to do my shout out to this last week having perseverance landing on Mars, having another Mars rover to help us understand this new landscape, this new place of Mars. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what Lent is really about. Lent is about trying to have us dig deeper and figure out more about who we are and who we are in Christ. What does that mean? What does that relationship between us and God really look like? And what does that mean for our faith as we discover and connect more so that the Spirit can connect with us more? Which ties in really well to the Twitter question I had for you last week, which was, how are you being transfigured? And I think in a lot of ways, we are being transfigured right now. We're being transfigured with the pandemic and the things and the skills and abilities and where we're at within the world. But I also think in a lot of ways, we're being transfigured into being aware. It's in a lot of ways, I've even heard it compared recently to that millennials and Gen Zers, that this is our World War II. This is what the equivalent to what the greatest generation did. And it's the question of how do we come out of this? What do we look like? How do we change as we come out of this pandemic? Again, as I keep using this metaphor that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we just don't know how long this tunnel is as we are going into this season of Lent and going into yet again, almost getting close to a year for most of us of this pandemic and wrestling and dealing with what that all means. So let's just jump into it. Again, I don't want to jump right into the gospel text this week. I want to go through some of these other texts and build up to the gospel text. So the first reading this week is out of Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 to 17. This jumps in near the end of the Noah story that most of us are familiar with, that God is talking with Noah and the floods that we've had before this. So essentially God comes to Noah, says that he's kind of disappointed with his creation. He's going to have this flood. He wants to save the one good family that's left. So he ends up telling him to build this huge ark out of gopher wood. They build this ark. He brings in two animals of each type, one male, one female, and they come in and then they have this huge flood. And after an extended period of time, the flood subsides. And this is where we're kind of at, that we're having the animals and everything being reestablished again. 
And God comes to Noah and kind of wants to make this covenant, this reestablishment of the relationship between Noah and his chosen people and God. And so he makes this covenant claim that there will be a bow in the clouds and that that will be a sign that he will not destroy like this again, that this is the sign typically used as a rainbow. And we'll talk a little bit more about rainbows this week on that being the covenant to remind both us of what God has promised us, but also a reminder to God that he's not going to destroy like that again. The psalm this week is Psalm 25, verses 1 to 10. And this text talks briefly about how our shame, our guilt, in kind of verses 2 and 3, can try to separate us from God. But really, as we dig deeper into God, as we go deeper into that relationship, we understand and start to realize how much we are dependent on the love of God that as we continue to build this relationship, how much we're just wanting to learn, how much we're wanting to grow. Again, this relationship of like a parent-child type of relationship of just wanting to understand more and the fullness of life that can come from that, just understanding that love, having that relationship, wanting to connect in that way. The second reading this week is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. This is a fun little text, and to me it sounds very Paul-like, but it's not. And we get this text talking about how Christ suffered for our sins, and that in his death, that that and the spirit that was in that, that that has then separated us from this. And that baptism wasn't just about removing the external dirt, but it was baptizing us into the same relationship, the same family as Christ. And that at that point, we are looked at as brothers and sisters, as royalty, as angels, that that external sin is not embedded in us. It has been washed clean and continues to be washed clean. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. This might sound familiar because it's not that long ago that we went through Jesus' baptism according to Mark. But he stopped it at verse 11. So we have a couple verses here where Jesus comes and gets baptized by John. And as he comes out of the water, the heavens are torn apart. The spirit descends like a dove. We have this interaction that we've even talked about fairly recently about how you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Does everybody hear that? Or is that something just directly said to Jesus? But the real differences here are these last verses from 12 to 15. And that first, starting in verse 12, that the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. And 40 days He is tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And I think a very important part, he's with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. I feel that that's a verse kind of referencing how Jesus was still dependent on the wild beasts for providing probably protection in some regard, but also 
probably for food and drink, especially since in Mark's gospel here, we do not have that he is fasting along with this. It's just that he's being out in the wilderness. And then we get the beginning of Jesus's ministry picking up in verse 14, which is John is arrested. And this is, we're essentially hearing that, okay, this is the beginning of the end of John's ministry. And this is what fulfills Jesus that now is my time. This is the time that I have been assigned for. It's been for a moment like this. And this is where we have Jesus starting his ministry. Coming out of this type of reflection phase of, okay, John now and the gospel of what he was helping to be the forerunner for me. Now I step in and now is the time for the promises that have been laid out ahead of me long before to be fulfilled. But before we get into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I love going over there, being able to look at different commentaries from a lot of different biblical scholars. Their Working Preacher podcast has four different seminary professors talking about these texts on a weekly basis, and along with lots of other just biblical discussion, and especially it's geared a little bit more toward pastoral, but there's a lot of really great resources, whether you are are in that pastoral section of your life, or if you're in a more of a lay ministry style, I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org if you haven't done that. A lot going on here, a lot to think about, a lot to contemplate, but we talked a little bit here about baptism. We talked also about rainbows, and I think there's some really interesting correlations here to be thinking about, not only because the obvious one that pops out, if you know anything about rainbows, knowing that water is required for rainbows to happen, but when you start digging into how rainbows work, the correlations between this and Jesus's ministry, especially with what we're getting here this week in Mark's gospel, become very evident and very interesting to dig into. So first, we have to explain some basic physics here. Try to stay with me, but I think this isn't too hard. Typically, it takes about eight minutes for the light from the sun to get to earth. It's just something to know. And so when we're seeing that light, we're seeing it as white light. White light isn't truly what it is. Really, it's more of an all-spectrum light where we're getting all these different wavelengths of different colors. So everything from your red, blues, greens, and that's all coming in at once. We're just not able to decipher all of it because they're all coming together. What happens with rainbows is due to the raindrops themselves and them being semi-spherical, when the sunlight is coming in from behind the observer, because in order to see the rainbow, the light has to be coming from behind you. The light is going in and getting refracted, which technically means that essentially that the light is bending. The light is going into the water and water slows down the speed of light. So then it bends and is coming out. Then what's happening because of that refraction of the light, it causes the different light waves to go out at different angles. So red light comes out at about a 42 degree angle, 
whereas like your purple or indigo light comes out more at a 40 degree angle. Hence why we get this rainbow of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That order based off of the wavelength of the light and the refraction that it's coming out. And based off of if it can refract multiple times is partially what will happen if you're getting a double or triple or even a quadruple rainbow. I'll attach some links down below talking about that. It's really, really fascinating because it's essentially that the light is bouncing around inside of raindrops and then it's becoming an optical illusion for the person viewing it. Because each person that is viewing it is seeing the rainbow differently because of the angle that you're at. So technically you could be all seeing the same rainbow, but it's unique to you because of the angle that you're at and the light that you're seeing and the photons that you're seeing, which brings up a whole nother can of worms that I jumped into. And again, I'll attach down below a really interesting thought provoking piece. One of the things that's really interesting and unique and hard to even quantify is color itself. We have come to accept what these different colors are look like because we have been told that red is red, blue is blue, green is green. But how do you even describe those colors? Because it's very difficult to do. You really can't. And so it's all somewhat a personal experience to be able to even see color because color to you could be very different from another person. We really can't test that per se, but I'll leave that there. And there are a lot of other ways that we end up seeing these rainbow-like colors depending on how the medium that's being used and the different angles. There's different ones where you can get with ice. You can get different ones based off of different astronomical phenomenons that go on. And again, I'll attach some links down below that get into some of them. But rainbows, whenever you're looking at it, you will be the center of the rainbow. You're always going to see the arc around you. And technically, if the ground wasn't in the way, they're making big circles. It's just that the ground gets in the way and that we can't see the actual circle where there are a few people depending on if you're in the right location, the right angle, or get to these right spots that you can see the full circle. But I really got thinking about this, that it's really interesting that here we are talking about this promise that God makes with rainbows with water. And then we get this discussion here of Jesus's ministry that it's now the use of water that is the initiation of the spirit being within us, right? In a lot of ways, the recognition of us following the spirit and that the spirit then drove Jesus out to be by himself in the wilderness, We get this perception of Jesus being by himself, this personal time, this personal wilderness, this personal temptation by Satan. Just like us being able to look at a rainbow and recognizing the personal promise that God has made to us. This then gets multiplied even further when we start looking at the first Peter text where he then is talking also about the death and resurrection of Jesus that then we are part of. 
And what I start thinking about with this is, okay, so we have a rainbow as a promise, the water of baptism being the symbolic way of what we do to recognize that the Spirit and acknowledging that we're working toward following the Spirit, that we ourselves then are over 60% water and that what ended up breaking this bond that sin had on us was yet again water, the loss of water, the blood of Christ when he hangs on the tree as it pours out of him, the stabbing in his side that kills him partially is the loss of water, the water that happened in all of this. And I don't think this is all coincidental. Again, First Peter helps us recognize that it isn't just the water itself, that it's the water isn't just to wash us clean in baptism, that it's a symbol of us being purified in Christ. But isn't it interesting that we're using this symbol that we can easily see the three phases of Christ with? in our life, that we don't have to do some crazy science experiments or crazy conditions to be able to see water as a liquid, water as a solid, and water as a gas. We see boiling water around us, even in nature, and seeing the steam come off. We see liquid water that's even being utilized in the gospel text this week, and we've seen solid water in the forms of ice or snow, and it's not that different than even what's being used to get these rainbow-like promises that we have from Christ as a covenant. I think it's very intentional, very intentional that water is used because of how much it is who we are as a bodily creature. I think it's also really interesting that here we are, we go into Lent, this season that's 40 days long outside of Sundays that leads us into Holy Week, that's supposed to be representing the 40 days that Christ is out and being tempted by Satan in the wilderness to prepare us for Holy Week and Easter. And that here we are having in our text this week the reminder of the promise that God gave the Israelites of the rainbow. And yet that a rainbow is a personal viewing experience. That only you are exactly seeing that rainbow that way. Those raindrops are being filtered and you're seeing that rainbow that way and no one else is. The photons of light that are coming into your eye are only going into your eye. The light of Christ still being broken down into a way that we can actually see the visible light spectrum. It's also really interesting if you want to keep even diving deeper into the science of this, where you have the infrared and UV light, there isn't that much more that could be expanded upon the rainbow because a lot of those get filtered out. And from different things that I've even read this week, talking about how the rainbow technically would maybe be about double the width, but there really wouldn't be that much more color, per se. But I think there is also one more thing that is really important for us to pick up and to understand about rainbows, which ties into, yet again, baptism. We talked about the raindrops is what the light is going through, these water particles, to create these rainbows. I mean, it can be as fine as fine mist and we can still see rainbows. But if there are particles of dirt, dust, ash, smoke, it can change things. 
if the sunlight is going lower and lower in the sky based on that there's more atmosphere that the light has to get through, you might not see the bottom colors of the indigo is in blues and violets might fade out because there just isn't enough light there that the angle is too much you just don't see it. I'll attach an article from a few years back looking at Beijing, China and how it was a newsworthy story of having a rainbow in Beijing because of how much smoke and ash and air pollution that is in the air that it is quite rare for them to see a rainbow. I don't see it as that much different than the sin that we at times hold on to ourselves, that we then miss the full glory of what God is trying to do for us. Too often we're gripping and holding on to all these things that we know that just, how can I be forgiven? How can I be washed clean? And as a baptized child of God, we are. But because we are so tempted by Satan to keep holding these things, we miss it. We miss spectrums of light. We miss seeing the full beauty of what the rainbow could be. It makes it a dirty rainbow. It makes it hard for us to see. And it leads into, again, I'll attach something down below, talking about how air pollution is arguably one of the bigger issues that we need to deal with also with part of the climate change process that we're dealing with, but also just as a human health issue. But how often are we letting these other things get in the way of us being reflections of Christ's light in us? If we are that light, if that little light is inside of us, and if we're supposed to be reflecting that out, how much of our own baggage, our own dust and dirt and soot and ash is blocking that light, making it hard for us to be able to see God moving and working in us, having us have a difficult time seeing the light come into us to be able to go out of us. These are the questions of Lent that are so hard but good to be thinking about as we are preparing As we are on this journey, the six-week journey to Easter, it's quite amazing when you really think about it. How often do we put our own fallen state and cause us to smudge the light that the light doesn't shine the way that we expect? I'll attach some even links down below how there is some rare phenomenons of even where you get uh, like a white rainbow where the color kind of gets smudged out and there's different reasonings behind that. I'll make sure to check that one out. But I think there's a lot of times within our own faith that I wouldn't say we get to that point. I think there's a lot of times where we maybe don't see the whole spectrum, that we're just seeing partial and we are not realizing how much that either we're not getting a bright enough light source behind us, that the sun is setting and we need to figure out how to make it so it's not. Because it's too much atmosphere that's going through. Or how many times are we getting too many dust particles that it's just making it so faint we're having a hard time seeing it. So the Twitter question I have for you this week is more of a reflect question. How are you going to clean up your raindrops, your water droplets? How are you going to clean up your water droplets? How are we going to be able to be that light, that full spectrum light that's shining out into the world? Especially as we are progressing forward and the light is eventually going to get closer at the end of the tunnel, how are we going to come out with this full-spectrum light? 
that the whole spectrum is right there and it's all visible to us. That we can see this beam of the rainbow just running right through us. How are we going to understand and see and be thankful for it? Like the psalm is encouraging us to be, to be humble, to love the steadfast love of Christ that is within us. Realizing the different things that bring us down, but realizing that Christ is the way out of it. This is what Lent is all about. Christ has made this covenant and it was Christ taking action. The baptism of Jesus, realizing that I started this covenant with water and now I'm going to continue it with water in Jesus' ministry and I'm going to end it with water with the death of Christ and realizing that I can even overcome that. And the funny thing is, is water is neither created nor destroyed. There is a water cycle. We have a finite amount of it. So as this season of Lent, where our faith and love in a lot of ways are tested to prove that it is not theory, but it is fact. I pray that as we are in that season, that we are reflecting and working on our refraction of the light within us. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.